Welcome to the Blooming League of Original Podcasts. G'day and welcome to Thrush and Treasure, the torture chamber musical comedy podcast that puts outrageously different music in a locked room until they sort out their differences. Speaking of puts out, I'm Aaron and I'm joined as usual by the captain of Team Metal. He's a builder, a baker, a terrible joke maker. It's my co-host Evan. How's it going this week? Oh, g'day. There you going? <laughs> so what have you been up to this week? Nothing. <laughs> nothing <laughs> nothing listening to music watching the olympics as usual and i got my first vaccine i'm on 2.5 g apparently i don't buy into all that conspiracy bullshit because i have half a brain yeah i can say all all i got was magnetic yeah i don't get that <laughs> there was literally okay this is conspiracy theory that the vaccines make you magnetic oh yeah literally literally things stick to you I, I know what you're talking about i'm saying i don't get it as in i don't get these fucking stupid conspiracies yeah yeah i've like, i've no idea where they got it from or but you know there was this there was literally this nurse who stood up in front of a town hall and stuck a spoon to herself and went, look, I'm magnetic. I saw it. Yeah. And it kept falling down, you stupid bitch. And it kept falling. It couldn't even keep it up. Goodness gracious <laughs> me. And I thought I was a fucking moron. Yeah. She was a nurse. A nurse. This would have been the same sort of fuckwit that would have drained a swimming pool because a gay man swam in it in 1989. Yeah. So I was, I was about to say, someone did that. Yeah. Yes. A lot of people did that because they were fuckwits. That's why. But have you been watching the Olympics? Not at all. Not what? even a tiny little bit. No. Well, those athletes are busting their asses in dangerous <laughs> conditions. And the least we can all do is cheer them on and support them. Let's cheer <laughs> them on. Fuck the IOC. I would cheer, but they, they can't hear me. No, but still, your neighbours can and they'll think you're weird. Yeah. No, I, I don't have time for, for TV as much I, I other than sitting down and watching a specific show yeah and that that's about it I'm like no mm -hmm. and we watch the news i i guess i could see i could say i've seen them on the news yeah you know it'll be so and so's won a gold and so and so's won a you know won the street skating and all that kind of thing that sure but no i, can't, I don't have time to sit down and watch it live yeah. no uh, I, I look i have it on but usually i'm mute because i'm editing so i need mm -hmm. to be able to hear what i'm editing and um yeah, but I finally caught up on the first episode of Schmigadoon. Oh, way. Yeah, I was a little bit worried there'd be too much Dune, but turns out there's just a Schmigadoon. <laughs> Anyways, guess what? What? We have another diva in the studio today, and it's high fives all round. <laughs> well, it would be, if not for the fact that in 2001, our next guest and I both auditioned for Eponine, but of course they didn't give that iconic part to the off-key dude with a mohawk. Lifelong regrets aside, in the past 20 years since, this effervescent talent has popped up as puppets jump jump and chatterbox in the beloved Aussie Kids TV series High Five, as well as shattering champagne flutes with various productions with Victorian opera, which saw her take on a Sondheim trilogy, including Into the Woods, Sweeney Todd, and today's Jaunty Saunter Through the Park, 
and she was more than bouquet in the Australian cast of Muriel's Wedding, only to then wind up as a debutante of her own one-woman cabaret, Tinderella, which singing about being single sounds like yet another role she's stolen from me. <laughs> so today we're dragging her through some heavy metal. Revenge is sweet, but this vivacious star is sweeter. Please give a warm g'day. How's it going? To Miss Noni McCallum. Staying safe and socially distant, I hope. I am so socially distant um, from you. I'm in Sydney. Yes, you are. We've been in lockdown for the past year. Without being able to perform, what creative outlets have you been finding? Um, So I was one of the seven people uh, that worked full-time during 2020 to pay for everyone else's JobKeeper, I guess. Um, You're welcome, Australia. (laughs) And I found it really difficult to um, channel creativity um, regularly because um, you know it was a it was not a very social year it was not a very um, uh, creative year in terms of viewing anything and I think that mm-hmm. that a lot of people struggled creatively like I did I, I found myself drawing a lot and painting and I certainly um put a lot of energy into the indoor jungle but mm-hmm. I had planned to to write a new cabaret but yeah just couldn't quite wrap my head around working full-time and just trying to stay healthy yeah it was a scary mm-hmm. time and stressful for everyone like and uh, look I had no problems myself being creative it's funny you say you painted I didn't get that far I made paper oh that's as far as I got so I've got like a whole stack of of recycled paper that I made <laughs> wow is that a lengthy process a little bit yeah because you the, the drying yeah sure I didn't get as far as painting though no. right well um fortunately you've been gifted another lockdown and you can get out the yeah. paints now unfortunately now I've got a podcast so that's <laughs> gonna be taking up my time sounds like you were creative enough for several of us uh, in the last year so good on you I think I was but since we've reopened have you been to any shows I have um what have yeah. I been to this year I've seen I saw Pippin yeah how was that um I thought that it was um I thought it was terrific I think that it's really relevant at the moment directionless people yeah and um people wanting to be considered extraordinary you know like influencers and this and that and uh and I really audience members that clap like this Absolutely. Yeah, I, I really like Pippin. I love the music. Uh, it's a show I did as a teenager, an amateur production. Yeah. And yeah, I really, really loved it. I thought, great cast, super fun show. Yeah, two thumbs up from this moi. What else have I seen? Yeah. And have you gotten into Hamilton? No, no, I haven't. No. Um, yeah. Apparently it's leaving Sydney next year. What the hell? Really? Yeah. Where's it going to go? Canberra? <laughs> Maybe they need a bit of culture there, I tell you that. <laughs> Come to Perth. No, it's coming to Melbourne, apparently. Really? Well, it, uh, like... Yeah, that's that's the rumour. Where? Because you've got Moulin Rouge. Uh, Her Majesty's. Uh, wait. Her Majesty's? Yeah. Isn't there a wizard there? No, that's... No, that's... Sorry, that's the princess. The Madge. Oh, okay. 
sure. Mm-hmm. That's the rumor. Um, it doesn't surprise I me. I thought they would just sit in Sydney for a good two years, three years. They did that with Wicked. They announced a an exclusive Melbourne production, and then halfway through the run, the tickets didn't sell as well as they thought they would. So they closed the balcony and just had the stalls open, uh, and then they toured around Australia and New Zealand right. and Asia. So yeah, it was um a bit disappointing because we I think in Melbourne because obviously you're, you're from Melbourne, we have the East End district, but it, it could just be that little bit more. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, with just a few more theatres and a and a couple of permanent shows. Sure. You know, let's get some big billboards up and and. We, I don't want to have to go all the way to New York. I think what Melbourne and Sydney are both lacking is a few more smaller spaces. Yep. We could do with an, an extra space the size of the playhouse and yeah. and a, like a an uptown black box. It's obviously like Melbourne's got a very fruitful theatre industry, but in terms of that district itself, there's not enough within that one area. Yeah. Because obviously the region's closer to... um. Flinders Street, not not necessarily right near them all, but they could be a hub. Yeah, absolutely. An artistic hub. We've got Swanston Street. Why not turn that into a hub? Yeah, sure. Uh, But you you mentioned before you attempted to double in writing a new cabaret. Is there any chance we'll get a follow-up? Maybe... Tinderella 2, Grabbing Life by the Ball. No, I I don't think there'll be a follow-up from Tinderella. Um, (laughs) Certainly since... um, my sexuality has taken a swift um, left turn uh, since mm-hmm. then. Yeah, so uh, I think a follow-up of Tinderella would be um, would s- probably not attract the same audience, but no. <laughs> we certainly will have a follow-up cabaret. Um, yep in the next year or so. So that awesome pun that I came up with is now completely redundant. Completely <laughs> redundant. Repundant. Yeah. Anyways, well, we'll move on to metal because this week you chose our band. You chose Metallica. Yeah. And then I thought, well, all right, because I know so much about old Metallica and uh, we'll, we'll go with something new. Yeah, sure. I, like you, uh, I am quite familiar with old Metallica because my brother was like 14 for a whole year um, at one stage and we should, our living quarters were upstairs so I could hear anything he listened to and I think he was trying to convince himself for a few years that he didn't like musicals quite as much Mm -hmm. as he did Mm -hmm. and he listened to Metallica um, on his best friend's (laughs) urging. So this new Metallica was... uh, I mean, not dramatically different, but it doesn't feel as uh, threatening as yep. the old the old Metallica. Now, I know, Evan, I, I don't want to give the game away, obviously being our metal expert in place of Gareth. You're not a fan of this album, are you? Well, i got to admit, I wasn't very familiar with it. Oh, okay. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm old Metallica. Oh, so it was the thing of you hate what you don't know. That's very common. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I knew, obviously, I knew Hardwired. Yeah. Um, I'd heard that probably on the radio, but I mean, it's a Metallica album. Yeah. You, you know what you're going to get with a Metallica album. You're going to get a Metallica album. <laughs> you know, they haven't changed a lot in the last hundred years, but no, I have given it a good couple of listens and yeah, I mean, it's a solid Metallica album. Like you, know, like you said, there's no surprises. There's no, you know, big experiments going on. Once in a while, I would love to let Lars sing, you know, let someone else have a go. 
mix <laughs> things up a bit that would be great but um no there, there's some good songs on here there's some good solid metallica sound you know you can't go wrong really i don't no i don't hate the album not at all oh, okay I, I gave it a few more listens and yeah no it's 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 metallica you know metallica. all right well you didn't sound too enthused when i sent it to you yeah the first run through was like oh my god how you know every song is eight minutes long <laughs> and it just, keep, it just keeps going and going but uh, yeah it grows on you no it's it's a good solid offering from the boys yep all right well i've written a review so would you like to hear it absolutely yeah far away all right okay so we should clarify we did hardwired to self-destruct when i first saw we were covering metal liquor again <laughs> i decided to throw away all bias and write down exactly what i heard and the opening number, Hardwired, sounded like But then the sophomore track, Atlas Rise, which went sounds more like an opening number track. But track three went which sounded different. The next three tracks of Act One went But then followed lastly by Halo on Fire with its boom, 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 nah, 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 or however it went. It sounded 80s, and that was pretty cool. Disc 2 started off with a militaristic vibe, and I was like, ooh, Hardy's in uniform, and thus my daydreams distracted me from Act 2, Song 2, a song called Man Unkind, or as I prefer to call it, the poor attempt at a pun song. Here Comes Revenge sounded familiar, like old Metallica, but phoned in which is a shame as it made for a less original take and became more of a cheap copy. Am I savage? Yes. I mean, the song, not me. I'm just being honest. This song was kind of bluesy. Not terrible. Almost. Murder One sounded like which scared my kitty cat Anya. And lastly, Spit Out the Bone sounded more like a dentist drill to the nostrils. And at seven minutes long, I ran out of Panadol. Two stars. A pretty mere effort without any standouts that gave Metal Liquor a reputation as masters of songwriting. Now they're trying too hard to appease everyone. New fans, old fans, and non-fans. Everyone but their own creative instinct. Oh. I agree. It's it's a Metallica album. I, I say that with, with all the enthusiasm I can muster. Yeah. Um, those songs, Enter Sandman, Sad But True, The Unforgiven, Master of Puppets, Ride the Lightning, My Friend Misery, is it? Mm -hmm. Those are iconic songs that have stuck out through my life, even when I'm listening to Beethoven or Tchaikovsky or musical theatre, Sondheim, Andrew Lloyd Webber, or William Finn. Yeah, so I want them to, If okay, they, they've been going for how many years now? Give us something that is going to be their, their swan song. I mean, the, the fear is that they've already done their swan song, and, you know, and they keep trying to recreate it. Yeah, in the, the early 90s. That's the problem, is that they are just trying to copy the sound that we know there were hints of things during this album it's like oh that sounds a little bit like that song and that sounds a little bit like that song that yeah. song that i liked 30 years ago and yet yeah you're trying to recreate it a little bit i'd be thrilled if they just gave us some dynamics mid-song yeah the, the only time they did was um the, the bluesy one am i savage yeah but you know they start out at a nine they get to a 10 
and they end on a nine. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is really a masterclass in uh, lead guitar most of the way through. It's a masterclass in mediocrity, Evan. <laughs> Sorry, but it is. It's a masterclass in resting on your laurels on what you know. I mean, this is the band that has recorded with two, three, four sympathy, sympathy. Oh my god, symphony Sym- orchestras by now, mm. which was epic. Epic, yes. yes. We we covered that a month ago or something and like there's there's a moment in that where he f comments on james hetfield watching the conductor and being all really into him and what he's doing and i sort of think if they had continued on that path of diving into different worlds maybe today we would be getting the best metallica albums ever but it seems like they didn't take any lessons from working with those people no this is really metallica light <laughs> it is it is it's yeah. um going back to really what what i said earlier is i'd like to them to mix it up a bit yeah you know where's where's the up give the other guys a, a bit of a lead or you know i there's no hell there's not even a bass solo mm. you know <laughs> poor old bass player he's no you just sit down mate you can have the next one you know yeah mix it up a bit get some synths in there get some guest uh artists in there get some guest vocalists uh, you know work with somebody to give some kind of a mix-up different sound yeah would be nice the only thing i can say uh in its favor because it doesn't do anything dramatic i listened to it at the gym while i was running because the beats per minute for like every Mm -hmm. song is exactly the same (laughs) so you can pretty much just keep it like it's a good solid album to exercise to and just tune out yeah but like to be fair high fives albums are all the same beats per minute so that's not like difficult to do (laughs) but they're also being aimed at children not at at metalheads either way they're they're both great to to work out (laughs) to yes I, i could imagine look they've clearly got their market cornered or their branding down and that's all good and well but this is a heavy metal band that has in the past numerous times been called Genius. Mm. Their Black Album is classic. It is one of the greatest albums ever. It was given to my nephew when he was five years old. My parents said, no way. I said, yes, because that album in particular is a genius album. There's songs on it that the whole, the playlist, like the, the order that goes in, it flows so darn well. It, it, mm-hmm. Every song is memorable. It, it sticks out for a reason. And obviously it's, it's not called the Black Album. It's called Metallica, but everyone calls it the Black Album. But I don't think he's listened to it, mind you. But no, look, at it, it, I was hoping that maybe they had picked up their act a bit, but no, I'm... I, now I see why people have been disappointed in the past 20 or so years because... Yeah, we, we want bands to evolve. You know, we yeah. want them to change with time. I mean, these guys are getting on. There's a wealth of experience and musical knowledge there and, and they just they keep churning out the same hits. Not everyone can be Kylie Minogue. You know, some people <laughs> yeah. are Madonna. Yeah, you can't reinvent yourself every six months, I know, but it could try. Yeah. No, and because there's not, it's not just one person here. There's a whole band of them. You'd think that mm. even if just for one album, bring in, I don't know, a, a chalice. Bring in Yo-Yo Ma and do a, a Metallica and Yo-Yo Ma oh, album. God, they did. Um what was her name? Not Vanessa May. No, no, it was a it was a vocalist. Um, oh, okay. Not Amy Lee. I'll remember in a minute. I'd quite like to yeah. see them perform with Pink 
because I feel like they have the same relentless, um, yeah. always like singing at a 10, no dynamics kind of situation. I'd like it to almost be a competition. Let's see who can win the song. Who can plateau the longest. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You're on the right show for it, Noni, I tell you that. Yeah, no, look, I, yeah, I don't know. It's just meh. It was a meh. I, I didn't even want to give it two stars. I, I feel like at least half of that is for the Metallica <gasps> name. Sympathy stars. Yeah, or well, branding stars, if that. <laughs> I think we can close the book on Metallica. Bit of a disaster, I think. A bit, or not disaster, but I mean, I'm sure there's, they've got it in them. I'm, I'm sure they do. They have to. Have well, I, I had it on at work a couple of times in a row, and I was head banging around. So yeah, they, you know, yeah. they, you, you got what was promised. You got Metallica. Yeah. Maybe that's be careful what you wish for. <laughs> so Mary and Faithful. Mary and oh yeah. Right. Um, yes. But anyways, we'll cut to a quick ad break. We'll be back in a moment with Noni McCallum. Coming this summer, winter, spring or fall, the first ever musical theatre sitcom where you go behind the scenes of the latest West End show, The Fosse Forest Ballet. Where's the important stuff? Aha! A thousand pound a week ensemble rate. Ah, that's what Mamma Mia likes. Starring Philip Joel and a West End cast featuring Carrie Alice, Darren Day, Louise Demon, and Oliver Savile, and more. It all started in 1987 when I was a jobbing actress working in a diner. Yeah, it's just I, I had a really bad experience when I was touring Australia with a wombat. <gasps> Darling! I've been mentoring you. Three months? Two years. So her name is Henrietta. The horse. Yes. I've managed to secure you an audition for the biggest, most innovative, and the latest show to be going into the West End. Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat. Think more along the lines of Pant. Frozen. Watch this episode for the price of a coffee. Simply go to www.thefussyforestbelly.com. Any and all profits go back to theatre charities, acting for others, and the theatre's trust. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll see a grown man in sparkly tights. Tight nights. Nice tights. Alrighty, you're listening to Thrush and Treasure. I'm Aaron. I'm joined by Evan. And we're also joined by extra special guest Noni McCallum. This week, Noni chose the musical and she chose a production she did with, well, not the, the same production, but she chose a musical that she did with Victorian Opera, Sunday in the Park with George, a Sundtime classic. Woo. And you did that, um, was it? 2013, Woods 14, Sweeney Todd 15. You were the understudy to the Bernadette Peters character, the Dot slash Marie. Yes, so I played the German maid in Act 1 and then Betty in Act 2. Oh, good old Betty. Oh, Betty, yeah. It was super fun. Was this an original staging or was this a revival of... No, completely original staging. Yeah. I love uh, Vic Opera. That I think that they do really terrific work. They make a, an effort mm-hmm. to um, to develop the careers 
of young artists, young designers, young musicians. So the the design was uh, really beautiful. They had um, the actual artwork printed onto fabric so that the characters were wearing the paintings as dresses. Oh, wow. How beautiful. Yeah, so it was quite unique. Stuart Mulder's direction was inspired some beautiful plants in there as well yeah awesome uh now it's funny you say that victorian opera nurtured the careers of younger performers the production of lame is that i mentioned in your introduction and <laughs> one of the the two young boys that played gavroche yes. in that brenton uh-huh. is now one of their repertory players really yep terrific so remember the other one was <laughs> Eamon George, I believe. Eamon George, who is a is still a good friend of mine. Oh, there you go. We reconnected about twelve years later, I guess, and yeah. Fancy that, because I, I did had done Bugsy Malone with him. Uh huh. Right. Brent and I did acting school with. Sure. Yeah, I was I was surprised um, when I saw that they were doing Tommy. Well, I, I guess I wasn't surprised. They are just terrific at, at choosing um, material that can attract uh, a variety of performances and audiences as well. It's a great piece for them. I will literally sell my nephew on eBay <laughs> to make sure I am at that show. If I miss out, I will cry and no one will, will stop hearing about it forever. Now, Evan, I know that you listened to the 2017 recording, I believe, which our guest Andrew Koba was in that production. Yeah, so he was in the ensemble for this. I don't think he played Betty, but yeah. So what did you think of this, Evan? Because I know this is not your genre and your... Yeah, no, I I listened to the 1984 original Broadway... Thank goodness. Mandy Mandy Patinkin. 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 I have been saying Patinkin for years, so... I have to get out of that habit because I'm now realized I'm wrong. (laughs) Anyway. um, So yeah, I listened to this is where this show can trip you up where he goes here, listen to this. So I've chucked it on at work without knowing anything about it. Mm -hmm. And out of context, it makes no sense whatsoever. Mm. The music is really disjointed and jarring. um, Like that's on time. Yeah. Yeah, nothing, like, again, nothing makes any sense. And I'm listening to it and just going, oh, Jesus Christ, this is terrible. What, what is this? <laughs> you know, just completely turned off. Just, oh, my God, I've got to sit here and listen to this. How long is this thing? I wrote a bunch of notes purely based on listening to it once. Okay. And it, it wasn't nice. Yeah, um, I think the phrase, this musical grabbed me by the scruff of the neck, took me out to the backyard, asked me to pick a switch and then beat me around the ears until they bled was something that I wrote. Mm-hmm. I think that's sometimes intentional with every musical he <laughs> yeah. writes, but in a good way, in, in a you're going to an enjoy it way. But anyway. I then proceeded to go, hang on, this came out in 1984. Mm-hmm. And I proceeded to make a list of things that you could have spent your money on instead. <laughs> That came out in 1984. <laughs> and funnily enough, Metallica's Ride the Lightning came out in 1984. Uh, Van Halen's classic 1984 came out. Bruce Springsteen was yeah. born in the USA in 84. Bon Jovi had his debut album. Not a Bon Jovi fan, but that would have been money better spent. The Smiths came out with their self-titled album in 84. Queen yeah. released The Works 
say you want to go for a show. Dune was released in 84. Dune flop. Oh, it's a classic. <laughs> no, no, it's a classic now. Giving Dune more money at the time would have made it a bigger flop than it was. Sorry, I have to disagree with that one. Continue. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll agree the special effects are very dated. <laughs> anyway, yes, so Dune was released. Gremlins, Beverly Hills Cop, Nightmare on Elm Street, Footloose, for God's sake, Never Ending Story. These were all things that you could have spent your money on in 1984 that would have been a better time than a Sunday in a Park with George. Andy Kaufman died in 1984. His funeral probably would have been a better time. But then thankfully, Aaron went, there's a pro shot. Go watch that. I watched the pro shot. And it all made sense. Yes. <laughs> yes. So you cannot listen to this thing without context. It's like watching yeah. a movie with the screen turned off. It just doesn't work. But then watching the painting slowly assemble, this thing is visually brilliant. It's just spectacular how it, it all slowly unfolds. And I, and I saw it coming after they started introducing enough characters. And you're like, oh, I see that he's removing the tree and... And the nurse coming out and say, where's my tree? That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and watching the painting slowly be assembled and, and the story of the unrequited love, missed opportunities, you know, you're spending all your time drawing me and you're not seeing me. Yeah, there's, there's so much in there. And it all came together with this painting. And I was like, ah, oh, yes, there it is. That's brilliant. Look at that. And then it goes intermission. I was like, what? <laughs> it's only half done. Oh, my God. It's Sundays in the park with George. <laughs> yeah, it was many Sundays. And, yeah, then it goes into Act 2 and does the whole generational story, uh, you know, family trees and, um, you know, their, their family history. And it is very, very clever. There's some real lyrical gymnastics going on, certainly with um, the opening track, Sunday in the Park with George, Bernadette Peters. God, she's good. Oh, yeah. She's in Pink Cadillac. You'd remember that movie. <laughs> Pink Cadillac? Yeah, with Clint Eastwood. It came nope. out 40 years ago yesterday. That's a weird factoid to just have off the top of your head. Mm. Yeah, Colour and Light is a fantastic song. That works really well by itself. Everybody loves Louie, which was a funny one. I, I love that. I love that piece in it where the baker is the desirable profession, you know, because you can't eat a painting. <laughs> Being a baker of, you know, 25 years is like, yeah, we're never out of work. Oh, I was wondering where you worked that you could listen to metal and sometime time freely yeah i'm most days i'm there by myself or uh, even last night i'm there with one other guy who has no idea what the hell i'm listening <laughs> to and and he listened to i think it was the second track he's like it sounds like uh, a tom and jerry cartoon <laughs> you know and you've got is it tom chasing jerry down a, uh, an endless repeating hallway that kind of you know running anyway so yeah i've got this whole eight hour gap of uh, free audio time yeah it is really handy i especially love when the painting finally came together and it did the intermission and then starts the second act and the whole cast does it's hot up here mm. you know they're having to hold that pose yeah. and and just they're constantly complaining about just having to hold the pose um that was hilarious didn't expect lasers to be busted <laughs> out in the second act i'm like where does that how does that fit in and you know it's uh, after another watch it's uh you know it's the um the great grandson mm -hmm. Something like uh, that, yeah. also named george um you know doing his own artistic career and um yeah it's 
yeah, like I said, it's it's a it's an act in two parts. You can't have the music without the show. Um, it's very much a performance show, I think. Um, yeah, it's it needs to be seen. And and I again, this is one I've never heard of, like at all. I've never heard any of the songs from it. Did you know the painting? Oh yes, of course, know the painting. Yeah. Uh, we did it, you know, did it in high school. And you know, of course, Cameron stared at it in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. That's right. That was Chicago, which which was nice to see that shot. It gives you the scale of the thing. It is it is massive. And then the more I researched, uh, you know, you find and just from Aaron talking and you have guests mentioning it. it you know, it's apparently quite a, a revered, important musical in the musical world. I, I, even I'm finding that out still today. How many people come on the show and they say their favorite musical is Sunday in the Park with George? Mm. Oh yeah. Uh, and I'll be like, but what about Urban Cowboy? <laughs> See, I find it really interesting on top of just being very clever yeah. visually, as I've, I've said in previous rehearsals. Yeah, I'm the roadie. I like building stuff and fixing things. You know, I've restrung guitars and, re- yeah, I, I've, you know, rewired wah-wah pedals. You know, I'll have a crack at pretty much anything. And I love watching a show, put something like that together and sitting there going, how did they do that? You know, watching Hello Dolly's train come through and going, oh, that's incredible. Oh. <laughs> and light posts come out of the floor and I'm going, that that is awesome. You know, like the engineering behind it, the yeah. the uh, you know the builders who've had to figure out how to make that work. I love watching that kind of stuff. Yeah. And there's and yeah, there's a bit of that, a lot of that actually going on in Sunday with the Park with George. It actually costs a fortune as well. <laughs> yeah, it would because uh, you have to license those pictures. So if you don't have the pictures, it's really difficult to do it. But half of the budget with Vic Opera went to licensing the set, essentially. Wow. Yeah. Mm. That's what I love what you were saying before about the costumes. Like the costumes in the 84 were already excellent. Mm. And then saying, oh no, we've we've taken the actual images from the painting and printed it onto the fabric of their costumes yeah, and the point that, that's taken it to that so. next level that is yeah yeah that that's the kind of stuff i really appreciate is that that attention to detail mm. well you probably wouldn't have liked the 2007 broadway and west end revivals that used screens that just changed throughout the show oh, t- so. oh, oh no was that um daniel evans and Gen- jenna russell I saw that at the Menu fact- Chocolate Factory. Yeah. But I didn't see it move to uh, the West End. I didn't hate it. I think it was still very intimate, mm-hmm. which was nice because I had only ever imagined it to be on full stage before. But it was a bit more black box. Okay, yeah. Uh, so the screens didn't feel like, you know, some big shows with with screens in the ground really just feels owning in the set design. But I, yeah. I think it was due to its intimacy, it, it um, succeeded a little more because there was detail in it rather than the other way around. Like it wasn't stripping the show of design that's that's a relief now uh, did we listen to jake gyllenhaal's performance for me everyone i only just found out this morning that he did that i was scrolling through i went oh my god mysterio's done it (laughs) and and it was funny because i was i was just explaining to the guy at work um i I literally had to explain the concept of musicals (laughs) 
and he's like, oh, you know, you know, they all singing and dancing. Yes, they can all sing. You know, this is what pretty much everyone that you've ever heard of has gone through at some point that done musical theater. Like, you know, these, these guys, you got superheroes in Marvel movies. Um, you know, they can sing, they can tap dance and, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. And he's, he, he didn't, he didn't really get the concept. How, <laughs> how do you go through life not knowing musicals and how a musical works? I know, you know, I've put the show on, on the TV again. I've put the, the pro shot on and he's watching it for a few minutes. He's like, when do they start singing? He's like, oh, just, just give it a minute. <laughs> Don't get there. Like, just hang on. Jeez. Going back, this is certainly a show that needs to be seen. Can't just listen to it. It makes no sense and sounds terrible. Sounds <laughs> terrible. Not not a fan of the singing. I mean, it's very operatic. And oh my God, does Mandy Patinkin have a voice? Jesus. Like he can belt out a tune when he needs to. As I said before, I'm a big fan of him from Dead Like Me. Okay. Yeah. Ever since I watched Dead Like Me, I've, I've fell in love with everything he does. He's just got this way about him. Eccentric. Yeah, he's got this delivery where there's there's so much going on upstairs, but yeah. he's not going to tell you what's going on upstairs. You no. should just know. And then he's annoyed that you don't know what's going upstairs, <laughs> but he's not going to tell you. It's that. And everything he delivers is like that. He's, he's you know, smarter than you think. It's a fascinating performance. Like when he's singing to the dog, or not singing to the dog, he's singing with the dog, really, or for yep. the, as the dog. Uh, it's, it is very much, I think, for actors, a masterclass in holding the attention when it's just you on stage mm. in, in a big theatre with thousand or however many people in the audience. That's what, what I mean when I say it's very much a performance show because it does rely, like the music is beautiful and it's classical and, and maybe not really my personal cup of tea. I can suddenly feel no one's ever going to come on my show again after saying that out loud. <laughs> Uh-oh. I think it's um it's a musical achievement. I think that's what people yeah. love it for. It's not that you know it, it's it represents the the pointillism so accurately and magically that I think uh, that's why people who love musicals love it because yeah. it just it melds that it's it's similar to the way Pacific Overtures is not everybody's musical cup of tea. You have to admit that it is just so extraordinarily skillful at, at melding the um, kabuki and and Western musical themes that mm-hmm. like represent that whole show. You know what? I've never seen it and I'm not very familiar I think I've heard it once in my life and I I don't know much about it at all which is a shame because I have said many times on this show how much I love Japan and want to go back to Japan right Japanese people and it's another show that I think you have to see yeah man I would kill to see it I would catch COVID to see it in a flash (laughs) yeah (laughs) I think uh you need to um to see it to get that um to really see the marrying of kabuki and um and music all in one i did it with watch this is that a chapel of chapel no it was at theater works but i i don't think that a white girl like me would ever get the opportunity to do that again and no um (laughs) rightly so but a brilliant musical um, I saw it for the first time at uni and just 
was obsessed with it in, in the same way as when I first saw um, Sunday in the Park with George on TV. I, I remember, yeah, when I first saw it and I was gobsmacked at, at Mandy Bentinkin's performance. Obviously, Bernadette Peters was in it and I loved her from you know, Annie. and Mostly Annie, right? Mostly Annie, yes. <laughs> Lily St. Regis named after the hotel. But his performance in it is a work of genius. Mm. It really is because it's so, it, it's him. I think he's just really playing Mandy. Absolutely. I saw him in a solo concert in London. Yeah. And I would have to say it was sometimes erratic. Yeah. uh, Just so much energy and constantly surprising, but really just such a masterful performer. And as you were saying about Sunday, about how uh, it's a masterclass in... um, keeping the audience's attention like one man on stage yeah. and yeah he's incredible at it so okay, what score did you give sunday evan so we'll, and we'll move on yeah well that was the hard bit because visually it's so stunning it's very clever but musically it's painful <laughs> so i had to split it down the middle and just yeah. go i want to give it more than two and a half but it, it i just have to, to go right down the middle I'd love to see, I'd love to go back to 1984 and see this. Oh, wouldn't thousands of people. Uh, Yeah. Apparently you didn't get the full two acts until like the last three shows or something. Mm. It was like, it was only a first act and and that feels right. You could leave it there too. You could just finish the painting. Everyone's happy and goes home. But apparently the, the second act evolved and they rehearsed it while still just doing the first act right and then later in the run they started putting the second act in interesting i had no idea yeah you you didn't know that did you noni obviously by the i didn't how did we not know this and how did you know this who's just i guess you did deliberately learn about it yeah i i I went and did some reading wow yeah (laughs) school and the team musical but yeah i had to split it down the middle i want to give it more than two and a half because it really does deserve it i can see why it's such an iconic musical i can see why people love it so much yeah but to just take it for the music oh even after watching it and then listening back to it again <laughs> as music, it's still really hard to listen to. Even when I can see in my head what's going on, mm. it's still very hard because the music matches the actions. And without the actions, it's just not music anymore. <laughs> so, I've, yeah, two and a half. I'm sorry. I have to just stick with my guns and give it a two and a half. I, I, you've blown my mind here. I, I'm Now all I can hear is bit by bit putting it together. And that song now makes so much more sense knowing mm. that he was still bit by bit putting that show together while it was being performed. Mm. Weird. Well, anyways, we'll, we'll move on because um, obviously that we've, we've, the paint has dried up. <laughs> G'day listeners, Aaron here. While you're topping up your coffees, did you know that you can support our show and go on a fantastically scary adventure at the same time? Go to www.thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore to grab your copy of The Toniston Tales, a darkly funny Aussie trilogy about a young boy who rescues injured animals in his spare time and the roller coaster ride he's taken on by a literal fish out of water. Written by me, the village idiot of Thrash and Treasure, you'll come to love Toniston Turnbull and the dozens of wacky characters that he meets along the way. And here is a sneak peek. 
Crack, thud, the human trips over the uneven ground as the Twanimal blows out the lantern. Watch your step, Kapoor says a little too late. Why did you put the light out? Bollycosh, an open flame near hay bales? And here I thought you were smart, sir. Toniston agrees with how silly he must have sounded. What are we doing out here? The boy asks as they blindly walk around the side of the house, where they're greeted by giant shadows rising up above them. Unable to properly see in the pitch-black darkness, Toniston presumes they are the three hay bales. He looks around. The plains are vast and the spotlights out in the distance, now a purple colour, seem to be too far away to bring any real light to them. They do, however, look very pretty dancing on the rippling oceanic sky. Stand back, the silhouetted cub paw warns with his gruff but friendly voice, clearly able to see in the darkness better than the human, who had constantly refused to eat his carrots. Grab your copy of The Toniston Tales from thetonistontales.com forward slash bookstore today. Hooroo! Now, what are some of the uh, more awkward places that you've performed? Me? Yes. I once emceed the WA State Championship of Monopoly. Oh, my God, Father. And it was in the middle of a a Westfield. Oh, God, yep. And I had to roam (laughs) around and, like, do colour commentary on all these uh, Monopoly games. Uh, that was interesting. Yep. How much did you hate yourself afterwards for that one? No, it was so it was so unique <laughs> that yeah, it was it was one for the um, the improv skills. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Another time, I was asked to host a like underground poker match for like a a company's um, end of year bonus reveal. So whilst at this poker match, I would like plant little seeds of like where the whole team would be going for their bonus and they were going to fly to LA. They didn't know me. I knew things about each of these people. It was kind of creepy. And it was in this like pop-up saloon gambling house that we created and the people, because I knew so much about them, all these details, I've been studying them all week. They just thought I was such a creep. Yeah, I can imagine. Weird. Yeah, that was less of a pat on the back for the old improv skills. <laughs> and that night ended, we, we all had drinks at the end of the night. And, and this one man kept walking around the room and guessing the women's weight. What? <sighs> yeah, and that was strange, but like so accurate as well that it was kind of like well on that note yeah so this guy was just like picking off women and giving them just telling shouting out everybody's weight and spot on good job mate you know godfathers now was that before or after you um came out of the closet (laughs) (laughs) um before yeah it was yeah saw that coming <laughs> yeah that's right nothing, bloody men i tell you nothing turns you like having the weight guest out of you that's right yeah <laughs> date me please yeah mm. uh, now can you tell us a bit about your time with high five given that it was such a beloved franchise worldwide kind yeah of so i i joined the cast of high five about six months out of uni and i was hired to play the role of chatterbox mm-hmm. who is 
is a, a very talkative Jack in the box or Jill in the box. Uh, she is around about like a four-year-old girl. Who sounds like this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was hired to, to voice and operate her on the series, but also to understudy High Five on tour and do their yep. audience like warm up and uh, play the puppet as well. Um, and then in my second season after my first world tour with them I um took over the role of Jup Jup as well Jup Jup (laughs) (laughs) and that was when Tim unfortunately had a massive motorcycle accident out at Eastern Creek and broke his feet broke like every bone like from the knee down and I was with them for about three years it was super fun we went to every town in the world that had a a theater we could fill three shows a day our work in the studio we we were the hardest working team in Australian tv at the time we would shoot 45 episodes in like nine weeks or something like that and the show didn't have ads it was the only thing on commercial tv without ads at the time which meant that we had to shoot it really quickly because obviously they didn't have huge revenue from advertisements to make it a leisurely year-long kind of thing. But yeah, it was it was terrific experience. It was dancing of a level that I am comfortable with. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I certainly made some, some good friends. What was your favourite song that you got to perform? My favourite song? gosh there are literally so many that I love um I think my favorite song of the week is probably snakes and ladders but I'm a big fan of of the uh all the space magic ones so high five based outer space is a real banger as well awesome yeah now what's been because obviously we're doing a world tour and and all that. What has been your most awkward encounter meeting a celebrity? Oh gosh, there's been so many. <laughs> <laughs> I once met Kyle Sanderlands in the line, uh, the lunch line. Uh, we were filming uh, High Five next to Australian Idol, mm-hmm. and Tim from High Five introduced me to Kyle just said, Noni, this is Kyle Sandilands. And I shook his hand and said, hi, Kyle, um, what do you do? Oh, my God. <laughs> and I knew full well who he was. Yeah, fair question. No, I, I, good on you. But he just said, what? And stormed past us through the line. He skipped ahead, uh, which is exactly what I would expect from Kyle Sandilands. That is. Um, but that was fun. Brilliant. I also, I met Audra McDonald oh. uh, in London. I served her dinner at a steakhouse and I, I did that like, I'm so sorry to do this, but can I have a photo with you? And and it's the worst photo ever. There's this light going like halfway across both our faces that makes us look great on one side and just frightening on the other uh, so it's not a photo I've ever really shared 
really? the public. That's a shame. But she did really like my phone case. Oh, did she? She did. She she loved it. This is an ongoing question, a discussion on here. Your, what's been your experience with standing ovations? <laughs> standing ovations? Yes. I've given many. You've given many. Now, have you been in an audience where you've looked around and gone, what the fuck is wrong with, with you people? Like, sit down. Often. Yeah. Do you think they maybe being given a little bit too freely I think um yeah I do I do think that that often happens but I also think that like opening nights in Australia Mm -hmm. there's this compulsion for um for over-the-top applause laughter and of course the ovation I'm not saying that it's not deserving but it's you know it's it's a lot sometimes And yeah, and and really, I like I kind of need to go to the bathroom yeah. <laughs> by that stage. Can can we wrap this up, people? Do, you know what it is? It's because they got free tickets. I know they all got given free tickets, and so they feel like they have to overdo it. I know, and everyone's friend yeah, is there. Yeah. And do you know, I'm I'm one of those people that mm-hmm. like leaps out into the aisle and up the stairs the minute everyone's had a bow <laughs> like I don't hang around for until the lights come on yeah, get the hell out of there yeah so if you see somebody racing up the stairs I'm so sorry it's me or it's probably me and my mum because she's the same she likes to get out before the crowds and yeah. get first in line at the toilet <laughs> oh yeah absolutely yeah. no it's um it's been an ongoing discussion and sort of everyone well most people have noticed that it's these days especially it's a bit too much or it's being given undeservedly uh, and the common thing I'm finding especially among the the legacy performers is that people want to feel like or you guys performers want to feel like you earned that standing ovation Mm. and I know when I've done a poor job you know when you've done a bad job one night everyone knows in a performance you would have had a bad job that's not what I'm saying but you know when you've had it as a performer we know when we have had an off night absolutely and so for an audience to stand up and you're you're standing on stage and and going no sit down like this is a bit too much I I totally can see how that would be too much I think though that you can't deny an audience what they feel and if people feel like they've got nowhere to go but up on their feet then it shouldn't matter how you felt about your performance and you're probably just being a little self-obsessed and (laughs) beating yourself up a bit you've done your job and if and if it brings them to their feet then you know that's what they paid for and that's that's how they feel and put on them and maybe give yourself a break I think that's terrific and I do think that performers right now they need all the support that they can get and if and if that's rising to your feet then um then that's probably the easiest bit of support that we can give them right now. That's a very good point. I still think uh, tourist audiences are giving them too much, but no, that's I, I agree in that, especially amongst the theatre community, because it is very much us that feels more awkward mm. when we see everyone standing uh, standing up around us because it, it typically is a quote-unquote tourist audiences. People like Evan who don't normally go to a musical but might go to Melbourne and see a show while he's there, that sort of thing. Sure. That was the point I was thinking of is, is it possibly just a generational change with audiences where you go to a show for the first time and everyone stands up and claps. And you're like, oh, oh, this is what we do at musical. Yeah. Okay. 
and it just catches on. Yeah, right. I think it's, yeah, some people think it's what they're supposed to do, maybe. Um, and reality TV, mm. I think, has definitely had a vast impact on it because even like in a top 12 or even in a semi-final performance, someone you know is not going to be getting through still gets a, a standing ovation because they're told to stand up to make the performer feel good about what they're doing. They're told they're not allowed to boo and stuff like that at least from my one experience being in an audience of those things. But speaking of performers, who is one performer that you have seen live that made you say that bitch because they were so good, male or female? Bette Midler. Bette Midler, oh, wow. I saw Kiss My Brass. Oh, wow. At the Superdome yeah. Yeah. when I first moved to Sydney and I was working for Ticketek at the time. Yep. I saw, I, I managed to book tickets straight away for me and my, my best friend. Um, and we were like in the second last back row or something. And it was just phenomenal. Absolutely the most amazing performance I've ever seen. Yep. And at this stage, she was like 65 or something mm -hmm. no that's lies she was much younger than that but she was old a certain age she was mature and she just goes and goes and goes and it just blew my mind I'd never seen anyone hold such an enormous audience in the palm of her hand yeah. and then I it's the only time I've spent the rent I um <laughs> I was at work and and, you know, like you clock in and you open up your computer and the first thing that was on the, the daily newsletter was Bette Midler is returning for one night only and she is slashing all the ticket prices um, to say thank you to her Australian audiences. And I called my friend and I was like, we could see this again but like properly. So I, I messaged my housemate and I said, I'm so sorry, I won't be paying rent this week. And we went again. <laughs> and, and this time we sat on the floor, um, maybe only like 50 metres away as opposed to 10 kilometres away. And it was just phenomenal. She was amazing. And if I could give just a quarter of that energy and presence on stage I think I would be very pleased with myself yeah. mm. that bitch is what I thought that yeah. bitch do you know I have to say if you want to like get a feel of that if you want to have your socks blown off by like one performance I, I reckon you'll be able to do it this year Courtney somebody or other who plays the the younger sister princess anna yeah courtney monswans that's where i thought you were going with that yeah yes she is amazing absolutely amazing i will be saying that be prepared to to be wowed she's just amazing i mean the performances of everyone in that show are outstanding but i just couldn't believe my ears or eyes i thought she was positively enchanting yeah I, I yeah. do look forward to, I've seen Gem, uh, Gemma Ricks in Wicked and Evita. So I, I look forward to her as, as Elsa. Oh, I mean, you cannot fault Gemma Ricks. She's an extraordinary performer. Isn't she? Her as Eva Perron was probably the closest I've come to being. No, Bert Labonte in Putnam right. Spelling Bee. Yes. Oh, holy shit. In Brigand Killer. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's funny because I don't typically praise male singers very much right well i i love me 
me ladies, me, me female singers, um, my divas. Okay, so I've got one last question because I won't keep you any longer. Uh, obviously doing high five, you've toured a lot. So what has been, well, would, would you know, what has been the biggest single audience you have performed in front of? And did you need new underwear when you saw it? I think probably the Superdome, but because it was kids... It was only half full. I don't think they sold the top level. Okay, yeah. Otherwise, probably the tennis center. Okay, yeah. I have performed to the tennis center full. I think that when you reach a certain size in terms of stadium performing, where it's become so huge and so impersonal yeah. that it's not as frightening okay yeah. and especially performing for kids is really really amazing mm -hmm. because they're such an excited and excitable audience like it's it's just such a gift so to have just thousands and thousands and thousands of little excited uh, munchkins out there is it's like um it's the energy is amazing yeah, yeah. But I would say that performing like on stage at the Madge or something gives me the willies much more. Yeah, yeah big time. It's an adult audience. You can see them. Yeah. <laughs> you can see them. Yeah. Right there. You can see them. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of Her Majesty's, did you ever see the ghost? I didn't see the ghost. No. Um, but. I can't remember his name now. Was it Frederick? Yeah, Fred Frederico. Frederico, I think it was. Yeah, it's. The cafe out the front is named for the ghost. That's right, yeah. No, I didn't see the ghost, yeah. but I did work with uh, Kenneth Morelita. And, you know, depending on how his sciatica is going, you get the same effect. Yeah. One last question. Uh, Muriel's wedding. Uh, now, you're involved with that. Were you involved in the workshopping process and developing? No, no. Okay. no I just jumped on for the Australian tour. Yeah. No worries. And yeah, so second time around. Yeah, there's a problem viewing the document you sent me, so it's literally still up on my screen. No, that's okay. I um I played the store detective, store, yeah. and I understudied Betty and Deirdre. Okay, yeah. Um, and so Betty was the mum, was it? The mum and that's right. Yeah, you're way too young, aren't you? Like you're only like two years older than me, or something like that. I think from what I can gather, and you're playing the bloody granny and in into the woods, and no, sorry. I disagree. <laughs> too young. I think that I am actually age appropriate to play the mother of a 21 year old. Actually, yeah, looking at some of my friends who have kids at 15, 16. I am from Geelong. Yeah. So <laughs> 16 is usually um, the age of motherhood there. So, um, yeah, yeah fair call. But no, it's, I look forward to understudying the mature aged. Uh, for the the next ten years, yeah, yeah. I'd I'd be more than happy to make a career out of that. Oh, look, there there are a lot of iconic roles in in sort of quote unquote middle aged. Yeah, yeah, you just have to look old enough to play them. That's that's the problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there one role that you're keen on eventually getting your hands on? I think that um, like I've really got my eyes on Mrs. Lovett. Yeah. But that's a little way off, and I I do plan to um like maybe retire on a Tanadia, hopefully yeah one day yeah yes uh, evan did you have any questions funnily enough i did um i'm, I'm looking yeah. at your your bio now you've done a, a court well this is the out of date bio but yeah 
but, but <laughs> you, apparently you were mini Faye in dolly yes dolly being one of the few musicals i know of and have seen which which one did uh, you say the uh, god was it bet midler no no i'm um, i'm sorry i'm um, oh barbara streisand barbara, you saw the movie ah oh, the movie sure yeah, i half watched the movie and then went hang on this isn't the stage show why am i watching the movie yeah <laughs> i saw the bet midler production oh did you oh wow yeah and it was just so good yeah 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 that that train at the start i heard you mention that um but can we also take a a moment for how camp the horse is as it comes on there's a little horse that clip clops on (laughs) i haven't i haven't seen it like if there was going to be a spin-off show for anything in that musical it's got to be for that camp horse (laughs) yeah but um in the opening number. But yes, yeah, you, you played Minnie Faye in, in Dolly. In your production, did you have Penny in My Pocket in the show? No. Why? Why do they keep leaving that out? No, I don't was, think so. Was that Magnormous? Yeah, that was Magnormous. Yeah, Aaron, I did uh, pantomime with him 23 years ago, I think. We all did panto 23 years ago. Yes, didn't we all? <laughs> he actually gave me lines. Because he was our musical director and he wrote a couple of songs. Oh, wow. And one of them, he gave me lines. So I could have been silent in that whole show, if not for Aaron Joyner. Oh, thanks, Aaron. Sorry, Evan, your question. Mini Faye, uh, ribbons. Was it ribbons? What was it? Penny, Penny in, in my, my pocket. pocket. Penny in my pocket. That's it. Not ribbons down my back. No. When I was having to listen to it, I'm, I'm going through the album you know the the original cast yeah. recording and it's, oh yeah yeah this is all this is all fine and then penny in my pocket hits and i'm like yeah this is a song i love this song standout right. song and then i'm watching the show and i'm like it's, it's where's penny in my pocket and you see you see the movie i'm like where's penny in my pocket and i had to go sort of googling and find out what the hell happened to it and apparently it's been put back in now yeah but yeah, I was just sort of curious at, at how many productions are leaving it out because it's, uh, in my opinion, it's one of the best songs of the show. Mm. I'd, I'd presume they'd have to pay a bit extra for the rights for it. Well, apparently it was part of the original, uh, the original, you know, um, the writing of. You know, it, it was part of the music, but then they had to cut some things, and that was one of the things they cut for some reason. And, and it's just a travesty. It's a it's a great song. Ah, oh, to the disappointment of metalheads yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Favorite song of the whole thing, and no one does it. <laughs> like you'll, you'll find it's common in musicals, though. Mm. Yes. No, I think that's pretty much it. Right. Thank you very much for joining Ooh. us. It was a, an absolute thrill. You're very welcome. And um, I I forgive you for stealing my part of Eponine. <laughs> you, you were up against myself and probably about fifty other girls from the theatre company who all wanted that part. Anna actually headhunted me for that. Did she really? She did. She saw me do it in Geelong, ah. and she asked me if I would do it. Oh, well, there you go. But I still had to come in and, and have a scene. Okay, that's all right. Yeah. Everyone I knew wanted that part. I just wanted to get in ensemble. That's all I cared about. I was told by somebody came up to me during rehearsals and said, so-and-so hates you because you got her part. <laughs> I am not surprised. Yeah, and I got that about a couple of people. Oh, wow, I'm so sorry. Oh, no, it's 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 fine. You know, it only takes a rehearsal camp to get everyone on side. True. You know, I've never done a rehearsal camp before. Oh, come on, mate. I know, I've done that many shows, but I've never, never been on a rehearsal camp because the shows that I've done have never uh... had one. 
And I was thinking about that the other right. day, thinking I've I missed a, a good experience in my life. Like absolutely. Yeah. But no, I'm not surprised because they were very clicky. Oh, I think it was a child oh, was it? that came up oh, to me. Pro- yeah. Yeah, it was one of the, I think it was like one of the closets. Might have been Nicole. Mc- no, she's so lovely. She, you know what? Funnily enough, me and her lived on the same street. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was some some child yeah. came up. Yeah, and I think that she'd been egged on by other um, ensemble members. Okay, yeah. Yeah, like, go on, go, go. Yeah, yeah. cute. Yeah. The Amdram Mafia. Yeah. Anyway, so where can people find you on the social medias? I think I'm just Noni McCallum, or one word on everything. How many times do you want to punch someone for calling you Naomi? I get Naomi, I get Noni, I get Narni, I get just so many things, but I don't love Naomi. I don't love Naomi. That's not a name. No. What about Nomi, like showgirls? Oh, Nomi. I get Nomi a lot. Yeah. It's not a hard name. Like, it's really not, but it is a standout. Like it stands out enough to yeah. to to be a star name, I guess, if you will. So we've done social medias, and what have you got coming up? Um, I am about to start rehearsals to come from away. Oh, oh, are you? Oh, wow. So are you joining the Sydney production? Yeah, are you? yeah, yeah. Right, awesome! Wow. Congratulations. Mm, thank you. I have um come from away, Mark. I saw you are our fourth come from away. I saw that. Yeah, I listened to your um. Hansel and Metal this morning. Yeah, that was a funny episode. <laughs> yes. I went forward a little bit because I wanted to get to the review of the musical. And for some reason, there was like seven minutes of review where Gareth didn't mention the name of the musical once or refer <laughs> to any subject matter. So I'm just listening to him like tear it to shreds. And then finally he said you know we all know what happens it sinks and I was like <laughs> of course Titanic you know what That's, that happens <laughs> yeah. so often we'll, we'll forget <laughs> to mention what we're doing I'll get through my review even and I'll stop and be like oh shit we're doing this album at the moment but you yeah, know look come from ways the only show I've given an, an ovation to I absolutely love it and so <laughs> I've um I've heard that from a yeah. few people. Can we get in on the ground floor here and and um you know convince somebody to come to Perth? Patient. <laughs> we should um we should have a beer, Evan, if we find ourselves in Perth. That's fantastic. Yeah. No worries. So, anyways, won't keep you any more longer. Thank you so much for joining us and chookers for the. No run. worries. Thanks, fellas. Um, if I can <laughs> see it again, I will. Of course. I do love it. I'm, I'm happy to have all the Come From Ways on because that was our first five-star album on this. Nice. So, yes. Thoroughly deserved it. Yeah. Special thanks to <laughs> Evan for joining me. We'll check your socials online. And to everyone at home, you take care and we shall see you next time. Who wrote? <laughs> awesome. Thanks, fellas. Like Quicksand!